Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, You Just Can't Help Yourself. And if you look up the definition of that little phrase, it means to be unable to control one's actions or stop oneself from doing something. So I'm going to state some pretty simple things, some profound things today out of Scripture. Some of this we've covered along the way, but kind of to restate and put this together. If you are not a Christian and you're having troubles, you say, well, I'm going to become a Christian all my troubles will go away. Not necessarily. And a lot of people do become a Christian, and then they have the same struggles they had before, and they don't understand why they thought, well, all that would go away, I just follow Jesus, it's all good. So how can I become a Christian, and now I still struggle with the things I struggled with before? There are reasons for this, and if you, no one told me this when I became a Christian. So I'm about to read you some things that if someone had just simply sat down and said, okay, dude, here's how this works Yes, you're going to heaven. Yes, you were born again. And now you embark on this process of sanctification. And there are going to be some attacks. You're still going to have some struggles. But there's a way to move it forward. And here's how you do it. So let's start in Romans chapter 7. And to use a word, the profundity of what I'm about to read you was for me mind-boggling when this was finally read to me. Romans chapter 7 And let's start with verse 7. This kind of will describe this process. And this is Paul writing to a church. Paul's the gun, one of the gun of guns in the Bible. He's it. He's, you know, the apostle Paul. And in verse 14, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate... That I do. Now, can I get a witness, right, even from some white people up in here, um, you know, is that ever your experience as a Christian? This is Paul writing this, not as a kid. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. So whatever it is you're trying to quit, you're trying to process on from, And you say, what is going on? I know I'm a Christian. I know if I die, I'll make heaven. I know Jesus died, buried, raised from the dead. I know all this. Why can I not get my life together? But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in my physical body, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. Now look at this. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. So I have a will, I have a willingness to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't pull it off. So you wake up, you go about your day, you might even start it with prayer and you say, okay, God, I don't want to screw this day up. You got to help me. And you get rocking along and all of a sudden, and I hate admitting these things, 
I was doing fine for quite a few days in some categories and got on the phone with, they moved a mortgage from one bank to the other and it didn't go smoothly. It was a mess and I unleashed it. I didn't, it wasn't terrible, but I was short, choppy, boom, you know, going at this poor person. I don't know where he was in the world, but he didn't do anything to me and was kind and helped me and got it resolved. Why do I have to be such a piece of work on the phone? Right? So you say, wow, why aren't you nicer? Yeah, why aren't you nicer? What's your deal? We all got something. We're either rude to our husband, our wife, our children. You're a terrible boss. You're mean. Everybody tries to tell you, but you don't get it. And so we all have struggles. And even Paul here says, for to will is present with me. It's here. It's present with me. I have a will to do the right thing, but how to perform what is good, I don't find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. He said it twice now. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So now he's saying, I got a sin problem. I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Now, this is an important thing to remember. The second you go to do the right thing, evil is present. Evil. The enemy is right there saying, oh, what are you doing? You're going to do the right thing? Guess what? No, you're not going to do the right thing. I am here to stop you and prevent you from trusting God, following God, obeying God, saying no to sin. I'm present. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So do you ever feel like there's a war going on in your head, your body? Like, what is going on? And why can I not do the right thing? And then he sums it up in verse 24 and just flat out says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Like, I feel like a terrible person. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then they answer, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So the only way you're going to live the Christian life is not yield your life to the law of the flesh, the law of sin in your body. You've got to yield it to him. The Bible talks about walking in the spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You say, dude, I don't care about any of this stuff. Then what are you doing here? Why are you listening? Oh, I just thought I'd learn some new things about God. I have zero interest in just teaching you interesting things about God. I'm trying to get us to know God. Not just know about him, to know who he is, why he cares for us, that he cares for us, that he loves us, and that he intends for us to have not just life, but an abundant life. Not just survive, not just exist, not just be a a heaven ticket holder, but to figure out how to live the life he intended where you're more than conquerors and where it works the way he intended. Now go to Romans chapter 8. And this one really helped me. So, you know, God help us see what the scripture says here. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And then verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, here's why you just can't help yourself. You're doomed. You cannot not sin. You say, well, what do you mean? That's what the book says. You cannot not sin. 
There is such a thing as the law of sin and death. You take an airplane, weighs multiple tons, you get a massive crane, you lift the airplane off the ground as high as you can get it with that crane, you release the plane and it will not fly. Why? It will drop like a rock and hit the ground. Because unless you have movement, propulsion on that plane and aerodynamics on those wings kicks in, that plane will drop like a rock unless a greater law than gravity kicks in to take it off the ground. So if all you have is the flesh, all you have is yourself, you just can't help yourself. Well, then what do I do? You need a greater law. You need the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that can do what? set you free from the law of sin and death. So now the devil doesn't want you knowing this information because he wants you thinking you're doomed. You say, well, but you're going to, you know, so you got saved. Okay, you're going to heaven, but whatever this book's talking about, it is not for you. You can't live this. You can't do this. This doesn't work for you specifically because you're a special case. You're just too screwed up. You've just gone too far. You just need to be happy that you're going to make heaven and stay out of my way. And then you decide, wait a minute, but my book says I don't have to live this way. There's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that set me free from the law of sin and death. So what's that mean? That means I can be set free. That means I don't have to live this way anymore. I don't have to be mean. I don't have to be consumed with lust and drugs and alcohol, whatever it is your thing is. You don't have to live that way anymore unless you choose to. Go to the next one. You just can't help yourself. So let's say you want to make some changes in your life. Same principle applies here. Go to John chapter 6. You say, well, I think I'm walking in the Spirit. It's not enough just to get Jesus, get your ticket to heaven. It's not enough to say, okay, well, now I'm walking in the Spirit. You know, I'm good to go. I don't have to address any other issues. That is kind of true, except when you look at something like this. Or you say, I'm in the Spirit, but now I'm going to fix these other little things by myself right? I've got Jesus. I'm going to heaven. I got the spirit. I'm good. And I'm going to clean the rest of my life up. John 6, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. So even if you have gotten to God, you didn't go because you wanted to go. He drew you to himself. So that's his doing. Look at Philippians chapter two. I'm going to read you a few verses to get to the one I want you to see primarily, but look at Philippians two, verse one. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So have this kind of mindset. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And because of all that, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'll just say this now. It's coming. You say, I will never bow the knee to Jesus. Oh, yes, you will. You think you won't. You will. You will be proven wrong. It'll be too late. 
You'll be hell-bound, hell-bent, but your knees will bend, and you will say, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It'll just be too late. Say it now. Verse 12, because of all that, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's some awe to this thing. And then verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's all him. So if you have the will, the willingness to do the plan God has for your life, he's given you the will. He works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's all him. If I live the Christian life, it's because Christ has had an opportunity to live his life in and through me. That's it. It's not me getting some of the package and then I implement the rest of it by myself. If you have a will to do what God wants you to do, he gave you the will and then he works to do that to his good pleasure on top of that. It's all him. Without him, you can do nothing. I think I've used something similar to this before. I had to go cut some branches, haul them down to the street. Gosh, there should be people for this, but I'm trying to figure that out. Um, and I put gloves on. And these gloves have holes in them now because I've used them. I got other pair, but I keep going back to these gloves. But there's something really interesting about these gloves. Every time I put these gloves on to use in dragging these trees and doing this work in the yard... It hasn't happened yet. Maybe it'll happen. They don't fight me. Those gloves just, I put them on and my hands do what they got to do. And those gloves just work with my hands. They don't fight me. But Christians, we fight back. We have him in us. He kind of puts us on, says, okay, now I'm going to use you today, but it's me living in you and through you. So when I do what I do, you got to yield. So if I say we're going this way, you can't be pulling that way or we're going to have a problem. So if I, as a Christian, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, he puts me on and we embark on this journey every day, stop fighting. Let him give you the will, the willingness to do it, and let him do it for his good pleasure. One more you just can't help yourself. So I had a guy come see me the other day, and we met, had a tremendous time, and he's got a lot going on. I'm trying to encourage him. He's encouraging me. And at the end, we he prayed for me, and then I prayed. And I said something in that prayer that I have never said in my life to God. And it was something like this, like, God, you are, you are so kind. You are so merciful. You're so patient. You're so loving. And then I said, but you just can't help yourself. Now, what does that mean? There's nothing else he can be. That's who he is. Now, I didn't know that growing up somehow. So when God loves you, he can't help himself. That's who he is. See, if you're just a sinner, you can't help yourself. That's just who you are. If you're just a thief, that's what you are. You can't help yourself. But God's none of those things. He is God. Let me read you some verses about this. Go to 1 John chapter 4. And this is some stuff right here. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved. Anytime you see the word beloved, it's written to Christians. 
Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So if it's of his spirit, someone will confess that Jesus has come in the flesh. If it's not of him, they can't say that. They will not say that. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. My daughter was sharing earlier about a trip to Africa. And in that situation where some demonic stuff was going down, one of the things I think she told me, she was recalling in her mind, greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. So the enemy comes against you. You say, oh my gosh, who's going to win? It ain't a question of who's going to win. Jesus has already won. Pick a side. They are of the world, therefore they speak as the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. They say, oh, are you saying I don't love certain people. Are you saying I don't know God? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just reading what it says here. That's what it says here. You say, well, I know lots of things about God. Nobody cares what you know about God. Do you know him and does he know you? And I, you know, you'd think this would go away sooner or later. We still got, you know, white people don't like Mexicans and Mexicans don't like black people and black people don't like and Asians don't like and like, really? That's all you got? You're going to decide whether you like or love someone because of their appearance, the color of their skin, some physical feature, and you're out because all blank are a certain way. Well, guess what? You've been thrown in an all blank category too, and you're the one doing it. So this is not about your characteristics. Let me read it again. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. How can you say you know God and you don't love when he actually defines himself as love. And this is more of this kind of kindness thing. You say, well, I'm trying to love people. Without Jesus, you can only go so far. So if you got racial, ethnic, economic, educational issues, whatever your deal is, and you say, oh, I'm trying to be more loving, you'll never be more loving without Jesus. You got to get out of the way and say, Lord, I can't love these people like I'm supposed to. I'm going to let you love them through me. Because I know you are love and you will love everyone through me if I just get out of the way. And then you find yourself loving people going, wow, what was that? I never would have loved that person. I'd have acted like I did in the flesh. But inside, he cares about this stuff. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And so it's not like God says, I am love. God did something about it. He said, okay, you wonder whether I am love? I'm gonna demonstrate my love by sending my son to prove that I love you. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's not me going, oh, I love God and I'm going to give him a chance to love me. No, we don't love him because we loved him first. We love him because he loved us first. And I remember being unlovable and am still unlovable. 
except that that's just what he decided to do, to love me. Beloved, if God so loved us, if that's the way he loves us, we also ought to love one another. It doesn't make any sense for there not to be, there's no other way to do it. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. So what does the other scripture say? By this law, men know that you're my disciples, that you have loved one for another. So even a non-believer should be able to walk in a gathering of a church, this church specifically. You should be able to walk in here, no music, no sermon, no nothing, and observe the love that we have for one another and go, that's God. There's no other explanation. Because these people have every difference and every reason not to love each other, and yet somehow they love each other. They can't do this by themselves. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, again, states it out loud. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment, not suggestion, this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. God, you just can't help yourself. Because you are love, you're going to love. Because you are mercy, you're going to have mercy. Because you are kind, you're going to express that kindness to us, even kindness, gentleness to lead us to repentance. Now, here's how these two things connect. If you ever figure out how to walk with him the way you're supposed to, now you find yourself walking in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit manifests, not the world's kind of love, God's kind of love, not the world's kind of kindness, patience, all these things, but God's kind of patience. Then you get to the place where now people are saying, well, why, why is she that way? Why is he that way? Uh, he just, he can't help himself. That's just who he is. Because he's a new person, a new creation. Old things passed away, all things new. Like, dude, he's so far from who he used to be, not even the same, not even the same person. So you're walking so closely to God, you can't help yourself anymore, but to let him live in you and through you. You're not fighting the hand anymore. You're letting him work. And that gets addictive, by the way. You're like, well, I have ways to express this, and I get mail if I say it, so <laughs> just listen to what I'm going to say, because the world uses this. But when the enemy comes for you, here's what you can tell him. Oh, hell no. No to your hell. Hell no. I am not living that way anymore, because your way does not work, never has, never will, and I have found a new way to live. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, I'm free. Thanks, but no thanks. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. 
You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. And the last thing I'd like to share with you is this. It's in Matthew verse 26, and Jesus is going to be arrested before he is crucified. And the disciples are panicked. Someone draws a sword. And Jesus says in verse 53, Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? It's over 10,000 easily angels, depending on how you define a legion. But in that moment, he just couldn't help himself. Because to help himself would mean we would be lost forever. And in order to help us, he could not help himself. If there's any way to let this cup pass from me, not my will, your will be done. No way to pass the cup. No way to avoid the cross. Your will be done. And because he did not help himself and save his life, your life can be saved. And that is the gospel. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. <music>